0: Hello, ladies. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm your host, Erin Austin. My goal with every episode is to share information and resources to help you achieve the next level of growth in your expertise-based business. We all know that generating income from our expertise, well, that's the easy part. The challenge is in scaling and building a business that can run without you. Join me on the journey to building an asset that can be used to fund your goals and your legacy. But before we get started, one little disclaimer, because, well, I'm a lawyer. The information I share on this podcast is general in nature and is provided for information purposes only. It is not to be relied upon nor construed as providing legal advice or opinions about any specific issue or set of facts. Now, let's do this. Hello everyone. Welcome to the Hourly to Exit podcast. I'm so excited to have Lily Smith with us here today. Thank you, Lily, for joining me. I'm so excited to be here with you and your listeners, Erin. Thank you for having me. Well, I am very excited about this episode. Uh, We have been trying to get together for a while and I'm so glad it came together because you have fantastic background that so much of it is applicable to our audience. We're gonna talk specifically about organizational culture. But before we get into that, I just wanted to make note of something that I noticed on your website that you have a dot consulting URL. And I don't think I'd seen that before. When when did you get that? How long have you had it? And what did you have before that?
1: I think I've had that for at least five to eight years and what happened was my website I, uh, you know pretty much hacked and uh, there was the, the people were trying to send, send me back my website I've had my url for 20 years for thousands of dollars and I wasn't going to buy into it and now what, uh, what's interesting about these new extensions is that it can be very specific you know so it's in someone that consulting business coaching really you know they had this extension of consulting and it was a way for me to still use my brand name, while also specifically uh, identifying what it is I offer. But yeah, yeah. they have a lot of these new uh, extensions that are really very interesting.
0: Yeah, you know, that's funny, you know, I mean, that's just another example of time flying when you say five to eight years, because I remember when all these new extensions were coming online, and it seems like it was yesterday, but it probably was, you know, that long ago. <laughs> I, I love that. And it's so easy to remember, because that's, you know, one of the challenges is someone be able to listen to someone mention their website on a podcast and for it to be able to stick in their head. And, and that's so perfect. I love that. So please introduce yourself to our audience. Okay.
1: Well, I mean, I've got a, a long bio. I, I have been a, a marketing and branding expert for well over 25 years and a business coach for the past decade. And I've worked with very large enterprise uh, companies that you, you know, most everyone would know about, you know, from in the entertainment field, MTV Networks, Bristol Myers Squibb, and then kind of folded into being more of a consultant for smaller, medium-sized businesses, uh, and now coaching. Uh, right now, I, I provide a business growth program that is uh, driven by Organizational culture and accelerated by a facilitated ma- mastermind groups that I offer business owners.
0: That's fantastic. So, back to organizational culture. You know, recently I wrote uh, in my newsletter about how, when I first started making the pivot from kind of a traditional law practice to one that's more strategic in consulting, that I was talking about intellectual capital. And, uh, you know, I confess that, like, Almost no one knew what that meant and um, but I wanted to make the point that there are non-tangible assets other than just intellectual property that are valuable in our businesses and in fact the name of my business think beyond IP was for us to think about those assets that you know we can't touch but that are very valuable and culture makes that list but so many people don't understand what culture is generally or organizational culture in particular. So can you help us with that? Sure. I mean, it is, you know, the concept of, of brand culture can both at the same time be
1: very clear and intuitive, but at the same time, it's very elusive when you're actually applying it in reality. Culture, to your point, is a source of competitive advantage that's exclusive to a, a business and a brand. And not unlike the exclusivity that you speak about, culture is a company's distinctive asset that provides a very unique marketing position, which together creates a barrier to competition. Okay, so that, what, is that? <laughs> what is that? Essentially, culture is competitive advantage that is exclusive, as I said, to the business and brand. And it's essentially the DNA and uh, brand value of a company. And it pretty much governs every brand experience and brand expression from the customer interaction to employees and how they engage and other stakeholders along the company with every touch point along the company. One of the things I really love about how you present your work is the way you really narrow in on um, exclusivity and predictability, which is really the essence of what makes every business successful. And culture really feeds into that because it provides just that. In terms of it being exclusivity, the marketability that it builds, you know, and the marketability being everything from really the top being the brand equity, you know, and everything that goes into building equity into a brand from positioning, competitive advantage, brand loyalty, the following you have, you know, the web traffic, depending if you're an e commerce site. All that goes into marketability and and brand equity. And as you know, which is a big part of what you do, brand equity is the brand value, you know, and it's determined by perception and experiences of that brand. And culture has a a big role in that, at least if it's properly applied. A lot of businesses, I mean, even some really well-known companies don't really apply culture. And when they do, it just makes a world of a difference in their strategy. And I could sit here and take the next half hour and quote so many well-known executives who have uh, come around and will preach on that topic that culture eats a strategy for lunch is a famous quote, actually.
0: Oh, I've never heard that before. Well, I, I do want you to provide an example, but in particular, because a lot of us think of culture as being something that's internal, like that's the way we, you know, collaborate and the way we train our employees and our mission and that it's more kind of internal, but Mm -hmm. for it to be part of our brand, you know, both in attracting clients and in attracting employees in such a competitive market, it has to be communicated externally as well. Hey, everyone, a quick word from our sponsor, Think Beyond IP. Think Beyond IP helps your professional services firm build the essential legal and strategic foundation required to confidently scale your business by developing, protecting, and leveraging intellectual property assets. You can find us at ThinkBeyondIP.com. Now, back to the show. So... How does a company make known what their culture is? Well, actually, you know,
1: first I will say that right now, internal, external branding is one of the same thing because with all the technology that we're using, especially social media and all the transparency that that then creates there's really, you know, internal culture is really the same as external because what your employees, what your company values are, I think properly done it's expressed in everything that you do externally and even if you don't want it to be if you don't have a handle in your own culture it happens anyway because if you don't have a handle in your culture it's the way your employees and their position with and their relationship with your brand it shows in the customer relations it shows in everything you know all the external touch points that we're involved with who are employees and otherwise So if you actually embrace culture and and kind of take the lead on it and don't let it just, you know, let your story be told by others, then you really, you know, incorporate and and identify and are very clear about what your uh, individual culture is. And then you make sure that that is expressed in everything you do internally and externally. Once you apply that and you do that properly, it pretty much manages itself. And again, there are uh, so many examples of this and so many well-known companies that I could bring up. For example, this whole just-do-it culture. Everything they do follows that idea and that concept. Internally, the way they deal with their employees, the kind of employees that they and sales people that they employ, and the way they manage customer service on the brand their advertising. Everything they do is on point with that brand model of just do it, right? And and that culture of um, being proactive like that, very positive, works well for them. Huge, you know, needless to say, I picked that because a huge brand equity. And then there's Patagonia, for example. That's a known, but still, you know, another outdoor culture brand. One of the things that, in terms of culture, being an, uh, a benefit to employer brand they don't even advertise they kind of brag about the fact that they don't advertise when they're hiring people so much because such a strong culture in terms of this outdoor culture that people understand that they're you know they're not looking for mbas they're looking for someone who really knows mountain climbing who really understands dirt biking you know right no i not true sure that they don't advertise. I remember seeing this one ad that they were looking for dirt bags. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's perfect. Yeah, I was going to say to for the Nike fine. example, just, to, just because most people are familiar with it and that just do it. So when you talk mm-hmm. about the way it translates internally, like to, to you know empower your employees, encourage them to take risks, don't punish false starts, things like that. Is that how basically how Nike used It expresses itself internally at Nike.
1: Yes, exactly, and that's an easy example to talk about because, as you said, everybody knows it and it's pretty clear and intuitive, right? You don't really need to explain it. Do it. It just the the tagline itself. You know, um, it's well known. It's been well promoted. The story has been supported in so many ways. So we we know it.
0: You know, that, that makes me curious about what came first, the tagline or the culture at Nike. Do you do you know?
1: I actually, I'd, I'm not sure of that. I, w- I was th- just thinking about that, that it would have been good to know w- which one came first. You know, uh, I actually don't know. It's a good question. I'm going to definitely look it up and get back to you. <laughs> My suspicion is that the culture was there and then the advertising, because it's such an old brand. Mm-hmm. And the advertising, it's it picked up on it. I mean, I've been in advertising so many years that very often that's, you know, that's the sequence of things, especially with older brands, you know, because this whole concept of cultural, although it's been around for a really long time, it's not been picked up on uh, as much as it has in more recent years in, in the way that it has. But it, it also evolved, right? It evolved out of relationships from the advertising agencies
0: and creatives and brand uh, developers. Yeah. So you also work with small businesses, entrepreneurs. How does this translate in the small business? I usually launch an engagement around
1: culture with an assessment that really is very effective in identifying the existing culture. And culture really starts with leadership. Right. And but it's also cultivated by, by the employees and then how they're engaging with your brand and the core values that you share and, and employ in your internal uh, leadership style. And if it's a, a larger uh, organization with a large team, we start with a cultural assessment system that uh, I work with. And it very quickly identifies what kind of culture you know the business is made up of, meaning the assessment is asking all key uh, leaders within an organization, whether it's all top management, uh, middle management, etc., to just weigh in and see. Well, who are these people? Who? How is it, What is their role in the organization? And we start to see a pattern of a certain archetype that is there and present. And we assess that with how does that match with their stated values? You know, and we we also have to dig in and really assess what are those values and does the culture that has been cultivated match those values and why and why not? And so how this starts to be funneled down into this whole idea of exclusivity and predictability is that we funnel that information down into the especially the marketability aspect of their business, right? Mm So how do the values that are behind this culture? How do they match with their brand? How and so we go down the list of everything that that expresses that brand and see what matches, what doesn't, what's off. And we, you know, build a campaign to make the changes that we need. And then from an operational perspective, we also look at, you know, well, how does that uh, impact operations? How is this also walking the talk within the operational side of it? And this is where the system side of it comes in because. You know, in terms of what systems are, as you know, really the system is the documentation of processes that support predictable revenue, uh, positions a company to scale, and to operate as a owner-independent uh, operation. Mm-hmm. I know I'm covering a lot, so I'm skipping.
0: <laughs> yeah, because... yeah, that's okay. I do have a question about how the term organizational culture, like, If Mm -hmm. most people don't sit there and go, you know, something's not going right in my business. I think I need Mm -hmm. to go get someone to help me with my organizational culture. I mean, I imagine that's not the question that they ask when they go, like, what, what is the question? Like, how do they recognize that they need help and how do they recognize Mm -hmm. your type of help in particular?
1: Great question. Yes. Well, when you see that everything that you intuitively think the right thing to do, you're offering employees great benefits, but you still, you're not able to retain your staff or your team, or there's a morale issue, or you could tell that there's something about the brand that your, your customers are not really resonating with, or it's just it's a myth, right? There's so many clues from the operational perspective, from uh, financial perspective, from um, uh, marketing perspective, sales, it really, you know, culture impacts everything. So but I think it would be helpful to give you an example of a case study. Right? And that is mouth sounds a transportation, you know, that it's a trucking company and uh, trucking companies very typically have a very high uh, driver turnover rate. It's almost 100% annually, which, as you know, is extremely expensive and challenging for companies to grow, despite whether or not they're really, you know, in high demand or not. And um, and there's also a very steep competition for a small pool of driver candidates. And many of them, you know, were hopping from one job to the next because of competitive offers of sign-on bonuses, referrals, rewards, etc. They took an assessment and did an organizational culture study. And even though that they had very clearly defined values and engaged employees, the company was still not articulating their story to attract new drivers. So after doing a cultural assessment, an audit, and also, you know, looking at their employer brand, a whole new campaign was developed that really resulted in understanding what were the underlying drivers of, of the you know leadership within the company and as uh, the archetypes that came through were those of uh, without getting into the explaining of, of the archetypes but the three very specific archetypes that were came through as the driving force behind the culture of that organization and which at uh, bottom line is the uh, we finding that it drove the development of the corporate brand and the faith and family recruiting campaign. And because the driver's culture resonated very much with that kind of archetype, which I'll say it's an innocent hero and
0: explorer.
1: You know, I'm sorry, but this is getting... <laughs> no, but it's a lot of information that I might realize it's not, you know, might not directly answer, but Bottom line is once they did a cultural assessment and a campaign was developed to really articulate, you know, what their employer brand was about more specifically, their driver turnover rate dropped tremendously. And it was uh, actually under 30% afterwards, which, as I said before, it was typically for the industry, it's nearly 100% turnover every year. And then the company was able to grow and double its fleet. and. Um, it was awarded year after year for a best fleet to drive for. So, you know, it kind of sold itself. But it solved the problem of, you know, the biggest problem being their driver turnover. So in that case, culture and the, the identification of very specific culture and the driving forces in their particular environment, we were able to be very targeted about how to resolve their challenge. It wasn't a leadership issue; it was more a messaging issue for them. But culture could also be something that could be seen as a leadership issue, you know, because if the leaders are not modeling the culture and the core values that they really want to uh, espouse, you know, they might not be aware of how they're not doing that. So, doing a cultural audit, you know, we assess well. How is it that your internal operations are not aligned with? these values that you want to espouse. It gets into the the why, the two fundamental concepts in brand development, and that is, you know, your why, right? The source of what why you exist and your story. And it really feeds into that and and leadership always has to be a model for that. And so identifying a company's organizational culture can really help you tease out where it's not aligned
0: with that. So you mentioned a couple of things that what was it again, culture beat strategy every day? Is that what it was? Yes. Yeah. Culture eats strategy a bunch. There we go. <laughs> but when you described the way that you helped this client in particular, you talked about strategy, you talked about operations, you talked about leadership. And so culture, I think, sometimes is still considered kind of a soft skill almost, as opposed to like strategy and leadership and operations as being kind of more harder skills. And so how do you you therefore attract a certain kind of client who's thinking about culture? How do you communicate that culture will solve your problems? Or how people who are organizational culture consultants, like how they make it clear like cultural strategy for lunch like how do you make people understand that do the market understand that well because you can have best strategies you can buy the book best practices
1: mm-hmm. if your strategies are not aligned with the culture and vice versa it's not sustainable right you can say well, your brand is all about giving and you care about the world and environments but yet you know, the products that you create are not that sustainable, your employees are not informed about the sustainable practices, you know, you could see how eventually the story starts to fall apart, you know, (laughs) because if your sales force is out there and the customers are asking them about environmental practices or sustainable practices and employees have no clue and they can embrace such a thing. Yeah. Um, in the case, for example, of Patagonia, they're very much about being a sustainable brand. And if they don't walk their talk, it's not going to be very sustainable. You know, no, it's not going to build credibility and trust that they do have in their brand, enjoy in their brand. So culture helps identify what those core values are. And then we walk th- through, you know, a whole list of, strategies about, well, how is that actually expressed in everything the company does? And once that is put in place in a very authentic manner, your whole entire team internally, the operation will just follow that. Think of it like in a peer situation, right? You go into a community of like-minded people and the culture is just in the air. The social cues that are there, the language that is used the way people behave with one another and it just becomes part of how we do things without even having it documented you know you just kind of pick up on it right you can see examples of that in almost any aspect of our lives and then you know if you happen to go into some sort of situation where there's a toxic culture where you know the things being modeled are just not respectful or not in line with what we thought we were, you know, signing up for or how we personally want to be, and then nothing works. Everything's falling apart because there's no consensus. Whereas when there is consensus in, in a very well articulated culture or cultivated culture, there is an unspoken consensus that takes place, and so it manages itself.
0: Right. Right. Well, that kind of brings me to the next place I wanted to go, which is talk about the trends that you're seeing regarding the issues of culture. And, you know, we're in this time of cancel culture, for lack of a better word, you know, where we require Uh brands to take a stand. How is that affecting the work that you're doing? And and how do you see it, you know, kind of changing things, you know, in the near term? Well, that's actually, again, another interesting question, because
1: current concerns about inclusivity, for example, and, you know, uh, identity issues or um, everything, you know, cancel culture, you know, all that it represents, if that's important to an organization, then we identify how is that important? How's that being addressed? Those are topics that are, you know, more about being aware and we more fold that into, well, what's going on in the current culture within an organization? How does that fit in with where they stand on these issues? You know, if you're really, it's important to you to be uh, inclusive, you know, um, well, what are you doing? How your culture support that? You know, what is the conversation that's being had at the water cooler? And what are the systems that you have in place to support and show your external audiences That they can have the confidence that this is, you know, what you are about. From how you treat your employees, the how you hire, you know, the talent that you bring in and your leadership and your operations that support that.
0: Clients are more concerned about that than they were maybe before the last couple of years.
1: I would say there's definitely higher awareness. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and the thing about it, you want to be authentic, you know, because you don't want to just say, and this is what typically a lot of people say, Okay, we're going to be inclusive now. So we're going to show all this diversity in everything we do. Right. You know, one thing everyone can do that, you can just mimic that. But it's another thing to really understand authentically, how do you do that? You know, what is your particular authentic voice around this topic? And how do you want to express that? Right. Then when you come from a very authentic perspective and well-considered position, then you're better able to not only be uh, in integrity with yourself, but also with others. And then trust is built much more easily that way, as opposed to just some cookie cutter formula for
0: being inclusive. Mm -hmm. All right. Speaking of cookie cutter, do you have not that this would be cookie cutter because I'm a big fan of signature solutions, but do you have a specific way that you work with everyone or is it every client completely unique or maybe a, a common starting point with all your clients?
1: I would say a common starting point is doing these culture audits and Uh they're fabulous and a lot of fun to work with and then from that, I, you know, kind of break it down to what I was saying before, just really assessing what their marketability the, and their systems, you know, uh, are assessing that. And it really depends on the engagement of the, of the client. You know, if we're doing a one-on-one and we're doing a business audit or, or a yeah, culture audit, then depending on what comes out of that, we'll engage, you know, and, you know, maybe reassess their branding, you know, and their message. Well, we said maybe it's really more in the system side, you know, where they don't have the proper systems to support this culture. It really starts by identifying what their culture is and then seeing where that's off and then deciding whether or not that falls into the marketability bucket or the systems bucket and everything that can unfold as a result of that, you know. Whether it's a, as I said, it's a marketing issue or leadership issue, it could be so many things. But the reason I focus on marketability and systems is that, you know, in terms of valuation, at the end of the day, it could be add up to about 70% of the business valuation. And I know that with what you do, you know, you're always with an eye on the edge of the strategy. It's one of the things that you and I have in common. You know, we follow this idea of always begin at the end with mind because it really provides a, a clarity and a focus to any, you know, any business. And it really helps with the success of the business. And so that's why if I was to narrow it down to two things that, you know, every business needs to really get clarity on and then have it in Proper place is the marketability and their systems of operations. And culture really helps, really tease out the bigger picture for those two things and helps lead the strategy for those in those two areas.
0: That is amazing. I love that. So, uh, as we wrap up, as you may know, that this is a pretty meta podcast. So, I'm the lucky recipient of all the wonderful expert advice of the experts that come on the show because I am the, a female founder of an expertise-based business that I am building uh, to hopefully be able to sell someday. And you are, of course, also a female founder of an expertise-based business. So I must ask, are you planning to sell your business someday? I do, probably in about mm, somewhere about five to 10 years. yeah so you have uh yeah all your pieces in place yeah i'm glad to hear that i i do uh, not infrequently hear, oh i will never sell my business but you just never know when that next chapter will come along uh that next thing will catch your interest that just uh you know like the world is changing all the time there may be something else we want to do and we want to make sure that we capture all the value in in the businesses that we're building right now so i'm very glad. Yes,
1: and one of the things I see too often, and it's very sad, is that people don't think about that. You know, they come to retire, oh, no, I'll never retire, or or they don't think about their exit strategy, and then all of a sudden, they're five years away from, you know, because how we feel when we're at the beginning of building a business, you know, in their 20s, 30s, or any point in time, uh, and how we feel about after having been working it for 20, 30 years, you know, a very different right.
0: perspective. Like, like having kids, for instance, you know, it is. You know? And then when when they're babies, you're not thinking about sending them to college, but there will come time you're like, oh my god, when do they go to college? And, uh, and right, when when will that emptiness be, nice be and that's not because you know the fact that we build children and we build businesses that are independent of us and can thrive without us is a success. You know. That's not, doesn't yeah. make us bad parents, right? Um, so yeah, right. I like to to make that analogy as well.
1: It is so important to really think about your exit strategy because it really will guide you in building your business in a much more efficient, purposeful way with the clarity that will just be less stressful. So whether or not you think, you know, you, you want to think about retirement doesn't doesn't make, you know, Either way, whatever position you take, I always say, begin with the end in mind. It will make your whole journey so much more easy. And at the end of the day, if you're five years out from deciding if you want to retire or transition into some other career or whatever it is, at least you will have uh, things in the proper order so that you can have that option of selling your business or transitioning in a manner that really you can optimize the return
0: from it, from all your effort. Absolutely. Absolutely. So as we wrap up, Think Beyond IP was in great part created because I wanted to help create an economy that works for everyone. And so is there a personal organization that is doing work to create a more equitable society that you'd like to highlight? Yes. Actually, the thought is a fabulous organization that
1: operates Near uh, upstate in, in the Catskills, where I'm currently spending three quarters of my time, I split my time between New York City and the Catskills. And I love what they do. They're they're working with families in need and youth in need, and really offering enhancement programs uh, at all
0: levels. And they're very inclusive. Saltcares.com. We will have that in the show notes. As well as where people can find you, but if you would share with us as well, where can people find you? My website is
1: ww.origin that's spelled O-R-I-G-E as an elephant and the Nancy dot consulting. And what I'm offering your audience is a half hour complimentary consultation uh, and a discount for organizational culture assessment and also an invitation to join my mastermind group. And um, they can go to the intake form on my website and to apply if they're interested in um,
0: being considered one of my. That is fantastic. Well, thank you so much for that. Thank you again for being here, Lily. And I hope you will have another conversation soon.
1: Thank you. Yes. I hope so too, because I, I think I, There's so much we can continue talking about and hope, um, you know, we packed in a lot today.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Have a great day. Thank you all. You
1: too. Take care, Erin.
0: Thanks for listening. Do not forget to check out the show notes for links to connect with today's guests and for the resources, offers, and organizations that we discussed. You can also find the links at hourlytoexit.com backslash podcast. If you got value from this episode, please subscribe. And I'd be so grateful for a review. I'm here to support your journey.